morning, Lord God. Today, as we come into your presence, Lord, we shout, you are king of glory. You deserve our hallelujah, Lord. God, would you fill this place with your glory? Would you fill this place with your spirit again? Would you fill this place with dancing? God, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we bring our full praise today, Lord God. God, we do dance in your presence. We rejoice in your presence because you deserve it, God. Lord, we come into this place dancing in your presence with hands lifted high, shouting with joy in our hearts. Lord, some of us come dancing in your presence with tears streaming down our face because of sorrow that we hold. Lord, some of us come dancing into your presence reserved because we have fear. We don't know what's to come. But Lord, nonetheless, we dance in your presence because you are good. You deserve it, Lord. No matter our circumstance, no matter the season, no matter the trial, Lord, you deserve our praise through all of it. And so God, would you give us a heart of worship today, Lord God? Give us a heart of praise today, Lord, because we are not the same because of your goodness. We are not the same because of your, your love for us, Lord God. We are changed. We are made new because of your grace. We have a new identity. We, have a, we are called your children because of your mercy. We have new life in you, Lord God, and so we dance in your presence this morning. Whatever we bring, Lord, we bring it to the foot of the cross today, Lord. And God, we have a hope, we have a faith that you can take that and you can transform it into praise. You can transform it into a testimony you can transform it into good. And so God, we simply open ourselves up to you, Lord God, that your spirit would move and work through us, God, that we would leave here changed. And so God, I pray that as we open up your word today, Lord, as we see what word and application it has for our lives right now. Lord, would you speak to each one of us in our circumstance, in the season we're going through, in the questions that we hold, and the prayers that we have in our hearts, Lord. Meet us here. Meet us here, Lord, and we in turn will praise you because you are king of glory. You deserve our hallelujah, Lord. And so God, speak through me as we open up your word today and may you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Good morning, sanctuary. Good morning, sanctuary. All right, all right. I need to hear you this morning, church. 
because we, are, we have the privilege today to see another day and to praise God for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Pastor Rose. I'm so excited to welcome you into this space today to open up God's word and to see what application it might have for us today. Um, right now, we, or over the past few weeks, we have been uh, affirming our identity as people of the book. Now, we have heard excellent preaching and teaching through this series. Have you been blessed by this series, Sanctuary? Yes. Yes. And I hope that you've been encouraged and even challenged to see yourself as people of the book, that we would um, dwell in God's word and just relish in it. So we have heard just wonderful teaching on the purpose of the Bible, of, of God's story of redemption for us as God's people. Now, we have seen throughout this series that the Bible is more than just a history book or a rule book. We've seen that the Bible, um, all throughout the text, it points to the person and the work of Jesus and last week, we had the opportunity to welcome one of our former pastors, Pastor Dennis, to come and share. Amen, right? So, so good. If you, if you missed it, be sure to catch it on our YouTube channel. It was so good. And what Pastor Dennis did for us is he really illuminated for us the power and the necessity of understanding the Bible in community. And so today, we are wrapping up this series, but we are going to continue Sanctuary in this theme throughout the year as we seek to be people of the book. We want to be people who are changed and transformed by God's word. Amen? Amen. Amen. It should change us. It should transform us. It should make us new. And that's really the focus of today's sermon, transformation. How God's word transforms us and uh, how it has the power to transform others as well. So in many ways, I want to pick up where Pastor Dennis left off last week. Now last week, um, as he was talking about understanding scripture, especially in community, he talked about the common experience many of us have when we approach the scripture. And that we often read the words of the Bible like a magic spell or an incantation. We read the words and we wait to see if it's gonna do anything to us and our circumstances. Has anyone ever approached the Bible in that way? Yeah, totally, I absolutely have. It's, it's normal. Or maybe you approach the Bible like I did when I was younger. I wanted desperately to be transformed and to be shaped in some way by this holy text but I had no idea where to start. So as a high schooler, you know, I'd, I'd open up the book, I'd turn to some random page, and I'd start to read. And I was hoping that it would have some supernatural insight for me, or it would cause some, like, instantaneous life shift in that moment, right? Searching to be shaped and transformed by the Bible in those ways, they didn't work for me, and for good reason. Now, while there is absolutely power in simply opening up and reading the stories and the wisdom of the Bible, and we're encouraged to do that as Christians, the transformation is less in the words themselves and instead in the application of its wisdom, right? 
So now that seems really simple, right? We can read all about love and compassion in the Bible, but if we don't actually align our lives to reflect that love and compassion, we, and therefore those around us, we remain the same. Nothing actually changes, right? So no change or transformation comes apart from the active application of God's word through the movement of the Spirit. And so our text today, church, gives us good instruction for how we're to apply God's word as a particular community here in North Minneapolis. So I want to invite you to open up your Bibles or you can uh, follow along on the screen. We're going to look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. So sanctuary, here is God's word for us today. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is God's word for us today, sanctuary. Amen. Well, our passage today focuses in on a community of Christ followers trying to figure out who they are and how they're supposed to live out their faith. Now, in many ways, they remind me of that young teenage version of myself, earnestly wanting to be transformed by Jesus, but not quite sure how to actually do that. So Peter writes this letter to a group of churches who are asking questions about their identity and their purpose as new followers of Jesus. Now, Pastor Dennis, in his commentary on 1 Peter, he helps us understand these Christ followers and their circumstance when he describes them as a diverse community scattered all across Asia Minor. Now, these are Christians who find themselves in a place that is not familiar to them at all, in fact, they have come to this new place and this new community after enduring incredible pain. Things like colonization and expulsion from their homeland. So they are a diaspora people. And instead of being welcomed in, this scattered community is experiencing targeted marginalization for the dominant culture and in their new home. So they're intentionally made to feel as though they are outsiders. So this was a people who were pushing up against a dehumanizing culture. They were enduring oppressive structures and systems, and they believed that their faith in Jesus had something to say about the injustice that they were experiencing. So 1 Peter, then, is an encouragement to a diverse community, but in his encouragement, Peter prioritizes the experience and the liberation of societies marginalized. Now, my doctoral advisor, a womanist theologian and New Testament scholar, Dr. Shively Smith, she puts it this way, that first Peter is a writing from the underclass, for the underclass, 
and not for the overlord. So therefore, if we want to be transformed, Peter is saying we don't look to the oppressive practices uh, of the powerful or utilize strategies of the status quo. Instead, Peter is saying we center the experience of the marginalized as an example of how to live a life centered on Christ. Amen. So these diaspora Christians are trying to establish a new home, a a new identity, a new faith in this new land. And as a result, then, they're asking some important questions. Questions like, who are we in this new place? How do we relate to one another in this new community? And how are we supposed to live out our faith in this harsh and unjust world? Well, these are powerful questions for us to sit with today as well. Now, we, of course, live in a very different time and context from this original audience. And yet, 1 Peter is a letter that holds deep application for us as a black-led, black-centered, urban, multi-ethnic church seeking God's justice in our broken world. So we, too, should be asking questions like, Given the fact that we are called to center the black experience while understanding who we are as an intentionally diverse church from varying backgrounds and experiences, how do we understand our identity? What is our purpose? Is it just to come together and to be, and be a visual mosaic? How can we actually make a difference in our church and city? So the question for us is, how is God calling us to be what Dr. Shively Smith calls the church in 1 Peter, to be strangers to family or to be chosen kinship who are seeking to center the marginalized and transform their community? Well, these are all questions that inform who we are, sanctuary, So while this was an ancient community of Christ followers, they aren't so different from us in some ways. Now you can see that uh, a bit of the context of this letter now, I want us to take apart our passage and understand how Peter was, how he conceptualized transformation for these communities. What is transformation after all? Well, first we have to look at verses 9 through 10. Now, in verses 9 through 10, they say, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, what Peter is doing here is he is calling out their communal identity. He is saying that while you formerly may have been strangers to one another, coming into this community from very different backgrounds and with very different lived experiences, you now have a new and communal identity. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And if I can quote the King James Version for a moment, you are a peculiar kind of people. Peculiar kind of people. Now, in calling them peculiar, Peter is saying, you're not like the rest of the world. Now, because of your professed faith in Christ and your diverse makeup as a community, you might stand out a little bit, and that's okay, church. 
You're going to appear strange and different from the rest of the world because you are reflecting something different to the rest of the world. Amen? Something that the dominant world, it's not going to understand. It's going to confuse and, yeah, it's going to confuse the outside world. So verses 9 through 10 are all centered around helping this community understand their communal identity in Christ. Now, second, if we look at verses 11 through 12, we see Peter giving the community instructions regarding their purpose and how to live out their identity as followers of Jesus. So his instructions from verses 11 through 12 say, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So Peter here is giving them instructions on how to live out their faith as Christians, and especially doing so in an unbelieving world. So he's encouraging them to live in a different way from the dominant culture. But even more broadly, what Peter is doing here is he is calling out their purpose as Christians within their local context. He's giving them practical ways in which they can be a witness to their community. Now, Pastor Dennis helps us understand this in our world today when he says that the local church is supposed to be more than a gathering of individual Christians who happen to possess similar beliefs. Instead, they are called to practice their faith in practical ways in the face of injustice, to stand in solidarity in faith and justice without wavering or compromising, even if assimilation might alleviate their burdens. Woo! Mmm! Mmm! Wow! In short, sanctuary, if we want to experience the transforming power of the gospel, then Peter is saying we have to dig deep into our identity and purpose as a church body. Then we will experience transformation within our church. Then we will experience transformation within our neighborhood. So I hope you can see that transformation doesn't happen randomly by just reading words from the Bible and seeing if anything changes around us. Instead, it requires an understanding of our identity and purpose that leads then to transformation. So if Peter is encouraging this ancient community to understand their identity and purpose for the sake of transformation, what does that mean for us in 2023? What does that mean for us here on Broadway in Aldrich? How do we understand our identity and purpose for the sake of transformation? And how do we grow really to become an on-the-earth-as-it-is-in-heaven kind of church? Well, we have to start with our identity, Sanctuary. So Sanctuary, we are a black-led, black-centered, urban, multi-ethnic church seeking biblical reconciliation and justice. That is who we are. That is who God called us to be from the very beginning. For the last 20 years, that is who we have tried to um, become as a people. 
So if we were taking verses 9 through 10, as Peter was speaking those words of identity over that community, we too, sanctuary, speak words of identity over our church every time we remind ourselves of who we are as a church and who we're striving to become. So when our MC says, good morning, here at Sanctuary, we are an urban, multi-ethnic, multi-multiplying uh, community committed to reconciliation of God and one another. We should say, yes, amen. That is who we are. That is who God has called us to be. We should be rallying around that identity. Because of our identity then, it informs everything that we do and how we do it. It impacts the stories we tell and the voices we center. It impacts the leadership style that we apply, the theological lens we employ, the songs that we sing, the needs that we prioritize, the perspectives that we seek out. It even informs the programs we launch and the partners that we link arms with. Everything has to do with our identity. Our identity informs everything. It also informs what we're trying to shed, who we're trying not to be, right? It informs the ideologies that we're trying to um, shed. It compels us to continually call out white supremacy as a sin. It means also for us as white folks that we have to have some skin in the game. Just because we go to sanctuary, just because we're married to a person of color, I'm going to step on some toes. I don't know. <laughs> Just because we work with black or brown kids, it does not mean we have arrived. It doesn't mean we get to be comfortable around here. It doesn't mean that we get to be comfortable and sit back. The power of whiteness, church, is too pervasive. It also doesn't mean that we get to, that as we yield our power, that it means that we shrink back. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that we get to be comfortable consumers of what happens here at Sanctuary. We have to have skin in the game. And that implies risk. It implies discomfort. It means intentional engagement in the ways that we move our identity forward as a black-led, black-centered, urban, multi-ethnic church. And we all have an active part to play in it. It is not passive. I've seen far too many people, white people come into sanctuary, stand in the back. They've been here for 5, 10, 15 years, and they never get involved. They simply consume. That is not what it means to yield our power. That is comfortable consumerism. So our, our purpose then, okay, so that's our, that's our identity. That's who we are. That's what we're striving to become as a church, and that informs everything we do. So then our purpose as a church, what is our purpose? Well, our purpose can be best expressed in the Sanctuary Five. Now, if you don't know what the Sanctuary Five is, they include connect, grow, serve, give, and invite. And this is something we talk about all the time, Sanctuary. When we think about how do we practice our faith or grow as disciples and be a witness in the world, it's the Sanctuary Five. If you want to know what is our discipleship strategy here at Sanctuary, it's the Sanctuary Five. How do we go about planning or measuring our programs for success? It's the Sanctuary Five. 
Now, our purpose is intricately bound to our identity. For example, look at the Sanctuary 5 and some of the statements of purpose and identity, especially in light of Peter's call to be a countercultural example in the world. So where our culture would tell us to isolate and depend on no one but yourself, we live in a different way, Sanctuary. We connect because we affirm that we are a community. We're called here to do more than just come to church and leave right after service. We are calling you, Sanctuary, to build intentional relationships, to allow for both care and accountability so that you can lean on one another because there will be a time when you find yourself in a time of crisis, in a time of need, and then you will have a community around you to hold you up, to pray for you because the world tells us that we can do it alone but sanctuary, we know that we need one another. The world also tells us that you can create your best self now with a buffet of options. Now, those options range from anything from the platform of online influencers, trying to decode and predict our life through zodiac signs or horoscopes, or attaining this perfect life if we can just unlock the secrets of manifesting that idyllic life. Hmm. But come on, as Christians, it is the Bible. It is the Bible, my friends, that is the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. So if we're searching to be changed and to grow, it's God's word that is our guide because we are lifelong disciples. And church, I really liked how Pastor Dennis called us last week to have energy around our study of scripture because this really embodies the value of grow, that we would take advantage of the opportunities to deepen our faith, to build rhythms, spiritual practices that anchor our faith as Christians. Now, another prevailing message in our society is that we should seek to serve ourselves first. But instead, church, we seek to serve others. We are good neighbors. Now this value to serve is multifaceted, but in the essence, um, we have been given gifts to bless others, to use, to continue God's work in the world. And we all have gifts. We can't just rely on our staff or our pastors to continue the work of the kingdom. As good neighbors, we want to put our gifts to work and prioritize uh, the, the compassion and, um, and the work of the Spirit here in our community. And then just as our world would tell us to hyper-focus on ourselves, Sanctuary, the world also tells us to hold on to and to stockpile what we've been given. But instead we give. We are generous people, willing to, um, to give and to bless others because we know that God is a generous God and therefore God has called us to be generous. And so we give cheerfully and regularly toward the mission and vision of our church. And then Sanctuary, finally, when our culture would tell us to reject, to divide or to keep to our own, we instead invite. We are a missional sanctuary and we're here not just for ourselves. 
So just like I said in the beginning of the message, transformation only happens when we apply scripture in our daily life beyond what's comfortable to us. And what I mean by that is our faith has to be public. It has to be invitational. And it means that we actively pray for and we connect with unbelievers, that we are inviting people into relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? So as we think about our identity and our purpose, Sanctuary, I wanna ask, where is God asking you to mature in the Sanctuary Five? Is it in the area of connection and, or growth? Maybe it's serving. You can do that by signing up for hospitality. Maybe it's giving or inviting. Whatever it is, Sanctuary, I wanna encourage you to live in to our identity, live into our purpose as a church because that is when we will see transformation happen. So as we wrap up, I want to leave with this final encouragement sanctuary that because of who we are and how we live our lives, we should both confuse and compel a watching and waiting world around us in all that we do. So Sanctuary, my encouragement for us is to be people of the book, to apply God's word in your life and see the transformation that will follow. So Sanctuary, let it shape you and change you. Let God's word correct you and um, encourage you. May God's word be for you solid food that strengthens and grows you up. May it be a sword that cuts to the heart and reveals truth to us. May it be a fire that purifies us. May it be our roadmap and our guidebook along this journey. May it be a hammer that shatters the hardened heart. May it be a mirror that reveals to us our true selves. Sanctuary, let God's word be a seed that is planted deep in good soil or new life will shoot forth and that it will last forever. Sanctuary, may God's word be for you a lamp that keeps us on the straight and narrow. Let it be a light that would shine in the darkness. And would it be for us water, a very necessary source of light. Apart from it, sanctuary, we will truly and surely perish because God's word is more desirable than gold it's sweeter than honey, and it is our sure anchor of security. Amen. So sanctuary, let us be people of the book. Lord God, would you raise us up to be people of the book? Lord, would we understand who you are calling us to be here at sanctuary? Lord, would we move deeper into the identity that you have called us to be? Lord, may it confuse the world. May they become curious about who we are and who we serve. Lord, I pray that for some of us, it would get us uncomfortable, that we would take risks so that we could follow after you more clearly and with greater devotion, Lord God. God, help us understand our purpose. Lord, may each and every one of us take an account of how we are living out the Sanctuary Five, Lord God. 
God, we cannot do it with only some leaders. We cannot do it only with our elders. We cannot do it only with some staff. Lord, you have called all of us to be people of the book, to be a people here at Sanctuary, Lord. So God, raise us up to be people of your book, of your word, that we will surely then be transformed and that we would change an unbelieving world around us. So Lord God, bless us, encourage us, compel us and challenge us, correct us on this way as we become your people of your word. Amen. Sanctuary, let's continue in worship.